Hi guys, welcome back to Discovering Myth Talk Show, a platform where you can listen to stories from different people from different backgrounds. And today, I am very blessed to have one, one of my friends, um, a newly met friends from Instagram. And the first thing that I saw, I saw, I scrolled through her his Instagram. It was so amazing. And let us welcome Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Vincent. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I mean, hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying yes and like, you know, like to 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 go live conversation with me, you know, like, yeah, I'm really it's blessed. My pleasure, man. You, man. My pleasure, yeah. man. Yeah, so, so maybe you can do a, a little bit of introductions like uh, about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm currently residing in KL. Uh, I'm a wheelchair racing athlete and also a motivational speaker. So yeah, I I am born with a specific condition called osteogenesis imperfecta, which is a very complicated name for brittle bones or like some people call it glass bones. Oh, so, yeah. glass bone. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I mean that I mean that uh, before we get into the, all these things, right? How 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 this MCO, how how this MCO have been for you? I mean that we we are entering well, the third phase. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so um, I, I think I'm doing much better than a lot of people. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I think uh, it might be tougher for a lot more. So I, there's nothing to complain here on my side. So I just hope that everything will be better soon so that everyone can can start uh, getting back to their normal lives slowly and, and adapt you know, where it's safe and healthy for everyone. How's the MCO treating you? Well, MCO treating me well. I mean that um, to be honest, uh, a, a, a bit struggle because you know, like uh, there are. I mean, I mean that because I, I'm a freelancer, so that oh, yeah. there, there, there are tons of jobs that have been cancelled or postponed. So, uh, but I'm still, but I'm still able to find some, you know, like freelancing job online. Fortunately, fortunately, and of course, like yeah. you know, like spending more times to do the things that I love, like uh, like this live show. So yeah, so I mean that uh, it's. For me, I think that there's a good and bad. For the good side is that, you know, that I get to spend more time to do the things that I love before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so one thing, one thing. So, uh, how did, how did, I mean, that you, you mentioned that when, when you were young, right? And you have been, you got this uh, glass bone, glass bone, uh, is, it, is it a disease or a symptom? Yeah, it, it is a, a genetic yeah, it is a disease. Yeah, it's a genetic condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you you mentioned that uh, when you 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 were baby, you already been diagnosed with this kind of uh, genetic disease, right? So, yeah. so so when you grow up, uh, what do you feel about this kind of conditions that happens to you? Like, because I do believe that when you are having a glass uh a glass bone genetic disease sorry uh, i can't remember the name because it's, uh, it's a bit complicated we call it uh for sure we call it oi osteogenesis imperfecta OI. so yeah so and if i were to explain it a little bit more osteo means bones right osteo is bones uh genesis is formation imperfecta obviously is imperfect so basically it translates to imperfect bone formation Mm, I see. I see. So, I mean, that uh, when you were young, definitely you don't understand all these kind of like uh, all these kind of scientific terms, the yeah. the things that. But as you growing up, 
what do you thought? I mean, what is your feelings when you know that you have this grasp on and you are limited to a lot of things? Well, um, I, of course, like you said, when I was younger, I don't really know what it meant. And uh, I think it took me some time before I actually realized you know, I'm a bit different. Um, but I, my father had the same condition. My grandfather had the same condition. So it runs in the family. And so for me, it was something that I grew up with. Um, I think I basically learned about it from my own condition. So when I break bones and also when my father explained it a little bit more. I mean, I mean, how, 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 I mean, do you feel like, a, do you feel something like, a, what, why, why it happens to me? I mean that, I'm, oh, yeah. I mean that when you, when you were young, right? I mean that there's mm. a lot of things that we want to do. We want to play football, we want to, to go out field, we want to go jump, but because of this yeah. condition, yeah. What, I mean that, how? I mean that how? I guess um, I've always been an active kid, so even up to a certain point, like I said, it took me some time before I could realize it. And so I, I kept breaking bones for some reason. And then my father had to tell me over and over again that uh, my bones are a bit different than everyone else. And so, and even then, I didn't let it stop me. I think I was just naturally very uh, active. I couldn't sit still. And so, um, like, Fun fact, basically, I, I broke my bones so many times that I stopped walking at the age of maybe about three. So I actually don't really have a lot. Actually, I don't really remember myself walking as a kid. So... Oh, wait, yeah. wait, you, you mean that... You, you mean that... At the I age don't of have three, a memory you're... of me oh walking God. as a kid. Yeah, because I was so young when I stopped walking that I don't actually remember myself uh, walking as a child. I only could see pictures and then realize, okay, maybe I stopped walking around the age of three based on what my parents say and the pictures I could see. So, um, but even then, when I couldn't walk, I could still kneel. So I can kneel on my knees or I could still climb. So I'll still do all those things and I'll fall and I'll break my bones. So I would say um, how I felt as a kid, I basically live like a normal kid in a sense, in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, I like to do something and I'll just do it. Uh, the only difference is that every time I did something a bit more risky or even normal based on what other kids would do, mm -hmm. I would break a bone and I always go to the hospital. Oh, wow. So, so which means from, from what you said just now, like uh, starting from the edge of three, you're the, like, you, you, you cannot work, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so what 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 is your age when you are like you have to you have to use a wheelchair? Um, I because I grew up poor, so my my family's my family could not afford a wheelchair. So my mom actually carried me everywhere. I went up until the age of ten. So it's about standard three before I finally got my first wheelchair. Then, then, how, how, how do you go to school? I, I'm kind of curious, like because, because, because you, you mentioned that your your mother carry you around until the age of ten. So, yeah. how, how do you go to school? So, literally, my mom would carry me into class, and then she leave me there, and then uh, she'd come during recess, bring me to the toilet, and then back again to my class, and then she'd go back home, and then she'd pick me up at the end of the school day. Oh wow! I, 
you, you mean that every single day? Yeah, up until the age of 10. So standard three, that's when I got my, well, my family managed to finally uh, have enough money to, to buy me my first wheelchair. And so I had my first wheelchair and that was sort of like my first taste of freedom on my own. At 10. Wow, man. You, uh, man, I really salute your mom. And that is like real love. I mean, that every single yeah. day. Yeah. It's not easy. Wow. Definitely. Wow, man. Then, 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 uh, I do believe that you went to that uh, to to school, right? So after at the age of ten, when you have this, I think that at the age of ten, right, that's the time where we start to have like a measured thinking, like uh, we start to have friends, and sometimes we even care about what friends look us at. So at the age mm-hmm. of ten, after you have, after you have your own wheelchair, and you have to use your wheelchair to scoot in everywhere. I mean. Yep. Uh, do you feel any discrimination from your friends? Like, like your friends said, we are working. Why you need to use a wheelchair? Well, Something like uh, that. you know, kids can sometimes be a bit mean uh, because they naturally say what they think. So I could still remember, um, I think it standard two or three in the early days, right before I, I got my, my wheelchair. Uh, I, we moved a lot when I was a kid. So we moved from one town to another, depending on where my father had to work and stay. So I would go to a new school and I could still remember one of the days where I went to a new school, my first day in school, first term of the year. And so my mom would carry me to class and put me on my chair. Um, I could still remember every, you know, all the kids watching me. Uh, a number of them were laughing because you can imagine you're almost 10 years old and you know, your mom have to carry you like a baby into class. So it was a bit tough. Uh, and when you were younger, kids in school, generally they, they'll bully you because you're a bit different. Uh, they call me names, things like, Buddha Chacha, things like that. So, Oh yeah. my God. Like, I mean, that, even though, even though in other people's eyes, right, like, like kids during uh, primary, they are so cute, so innocent, but, really down man it they are so so mean i mean it's yeah. so important to call you buddha chat i mean yeah. it's totally it was then i think that, okay. yeah oh man mm-hmm. so 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 i mean that this is primary school i think that is yeah. getting worse when you enter into secondary school um well i think i i started adapting a little bit better so up until Standard five, I would still have some people bully me. And then I changed school again because uh, my, my family moved to a different town. I, I moved a lot when I was young. I think I went through at least two to three primary schools. Yeah. Uh, in, you know, and then two to three other secondary schools. But um, yeah, I think when I, w- I was in secondary school, I was still a bit shy, but I think the bullying is not as uh, severe. Uh, but still... Because I don't get to spend time with my friends, I would uh, go to school and then go back home, go to school, go back home. Whereas my other classmates would you know, meet after school and have sports and play. So I, I would never be able to, uh, I was never really able to fit into the group in a sense. So I would say in, in secondary school, it wasn't so much uh, bullying, more so like I just couldn't fit in because naturally I don't spend time with them. 
Mm. I mean, I mean that through, throughout this, I think that throughout this, like primary and secondary school, do do you like uh, complain like why this happens to me? Like, uh, or or do you have any like, uh, I mean, uh, depressions or anything that hits you? Like, why all this happens to me? You know, like, I can't fit with my friends. People are bullying me. So, do you have this kind of thoughts when when you were young? Maybe when I was very young, I maybe I I would sometimes think why me. Um, but I think maybe because I spent a lot of time in the hospital, and I I had to figure out a way to to, to cope with everything. Uh, so I I will always look around, and I remember uh, because I I go to the hospital a lot on a on a for for context on a very good year where I behave myself, I don't do anything crazy. <laughs> uh, I break my bones twice at least a year, so I break my legs twice mostly uh, in a year. If I behave very well, if not, then it'd be worse. But and so because of that, I go to the appointments all the time. So I go to appointments and doctors' appointments, and you know I would reach the hospital for my appointment at six, and then you put in your card, and then yeah. you only see the doctor by like ten or eleven. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes noon, and so I I spend a lot of time waiting, and I think for me to cope as a child, I started you know. Yeah, of course, I, I thought about you know, why me and why, uh, you know, instead of other people, I have this condition. But I think as to, for me to cope as a child, I started looking around uh, whenever I was waiting for my doctor's uh, turn. And I started think, looking at other people having worse conditions. So some people don't have legs. Some, because I was in the ortho, orthopedic, which is the bone section. And mm-hmm. so people who gone through accidents and people who lose their legs and people who uh, are in foul conditions. And I, I think naturally as a kid, I started learning uh, to say, you know, I, I thank God I'm not that person. You know, I think that person is worse off. And from there, it became a habit of sort of, I think you can say gratefulness, even without me realizing. As a child, I was just thinking of that as a way to, to cope. But as an adult, you call that gratefulness, right? Because there are so yeah. many people who are, who are worse off than us. And so for me, I started doing that naturally. Wow! 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 I mean that. I mean, I mean, we were, I think that this is something special about human. I think, uh, it, uh, like some sometimes we do when we when we are under conditions, right, or we are stressed. Definitely, there are ways that we can look at, like to show. To, to cope with the problem that we have. I mean, this is truly amazing. And, and, and because, uh, so, so what was the pivotal point where you really into this kind of a wheelchair racing? So, so what, what happens to, what, what, what happens that really leads you to this path? Oh, wow. Uh, I think the, the pivotal point only comes much later in life. So it wasn't that I was thinking about doing sports when I was very young, nor did it seem very uh, possible at all for me to do mm-hmm. sports. Uh, I am very grateful that I have type 1 osteogenesis imperfecta, which is uh, the mildest form. So I, they, I have friends who have type 3 and above, which uh, would mean... Maybe instead of breaking a few times a year, they break once every month or once every few what? months. Yeah. So 
I would say I am in a better condition than most. Uh, but even then, the idea of having just imagine glass, you know, glass bones and spots, it does yeah. not fit. So I never thought about doing sports um, like realistically as a child. Of course, as a kid, I, I fantasize about wanting to do sports. So I, I, I wanted to try, but every time I don't get the opportunity. So I never really got into sports, sports per se. Uh, and I only started doing it after I graduated from college. So that was in 2012, eight years ago, where I finally transitioned from uh, something that is slightly better than a hospital chair, so like a, a day chair, to a uh, slightly better sports chair. So that was when I first got my sports chair after graduating from college. And uh, I thought to myself, I could join um, marathons. And at that point in time, there were, the whole idea of wheelchair marathons in Malaysia is not popular so there's no yeah. okay category nowadays you join the run there'll be an okay category during that time it was still very new and so i just signed up for a, a 10 km men's category in senate charter 2012 and oh, i just so joined it yeah like standard that. charter i mean that is like a huge event for malaysia man yeah I, 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 so so i mean that i think that when you are when when you when you do the marathon using a wheelchair, I think that everybody will be looking at you. I think, yeah. Um, and at first, it sounds very ridiculous because I, when I think about it, uh, I did my first 10KM with a friend called Alex Aoyong. So that friend said he would join my, uh, my first 10KM together. And so he he was a very seasoned marathoner, an ultra marathoner, did a 100KM himself. Uh, and so he said he would join me for my first 10KM. Uh, and by the end of the first 10KM, you know, I, I didn't really train much, so I just went for it. I did it in one hour, four minutes for 10KM. And oh, by that the is end of fast. It, well, uh, by the end of it, when the moment I stopped, I, I started seeing the world spinning. <laughs> Everything was spinning <laughs> around me. I had cramps on my arms, my, my abs, and my legs for some reason. I also had cramps on my legs i don't know why uh, <laughs> but yeah uh and then some, while i was cramping at that time i have uh there's this uh there's this guy from australia i think he's he calls himself the marathon man uh he wears like a superhero like a m like a superman m there okay uh, and somebody take a picture and i'm on the star and so yeah like you said a lot of people looked at me and at that point in time, I was thinking it's a bit ridiculous because I joined the 10KM and there'll be, there was like 20,000 other people joining 10KM, but I'm the only one that appeared on the newspaper. And so um, it sounded a bit ridiculous to me at the time, but I realized that that was an opportunity for me to um, do something that will inspire people. And that's, that's why I started joining uh, wheelchair marathons anyways I number one wanted to challenge myself I've always been interested in doing marathons marathons meaning 42 kms um, because I always felt that there's always something that we can learn from marathon running that can be applied to life um, and with that I also wanted to use that opportunity to inspire the people to do uh, to, to challenge themselves and that's why I started that journey Wow, wow. I, I mean that, I mean, 
I mean that it, because of just one single run, I mean, one single thoughts that really can change a lot of things in life, especially. Yeah. So because of that one marathon, what kinds of doors have it opened for you? I mean, I, I truly believe there's a lot of opportunities and doors being opened to you. Well, I, I wouldn't say like immediately there are opportunities, more so, um, you know, it's not so much external opportunities coming in, but more so um, internal opportunities in my mind, in a sense, because after I jump my first run, then in my mind, it's possible. And so, and I wanted to challenge myself a bit more. Um, I looked at my timing, one hour, four minutes. It's, it's not too bad for an hour, you know, an hour, four minutes for 10km, but I, I felt that was because I, I didn't train, so I could do better. So I went for my my second 10km and that was Nike run. And I, I told myself, okay, let's train a bit better so that by the end of it, you know, the world is not spinning again and I won't be cramping <laughs> the whole way. Um, but, and then, so I set a target of wanting to do a 10-minute improvement. So by right, it should be around 56 minutes to do. So I was training for it. And by the end of it, uh, I completed it in 45 minutes. So 10 km, 45 minutes. Oh my God. So it's not so much uh, like because I joined my first 10 km run, I got into the newspaper and suddenly a lot of other opportunities came by. It was more so uh, an opportunity of the mind. Your mind sees that it's possible and therefore you chase after opportunities. And so I, I started joining 10 km runs and then I joined my first wheelchair run. Because the Nike run was also still 10km men's category, open category. Mm-hmm. Um, then I joined my first wheelchair race, in a sense. Non-professional wheelchair race. There's a difference between professional and non-professional race. Um, so, so what's the difference between these professional and non-professional wheelchair race? Probably you so, can explain this a bit. So the non-professional wheelchair race, uh, which is the most common in Malaysia, is the ones that you use a day chair on. So the day chair is the kind of wheelchairs that you see everyone use all the time, right? So if you see my normal profile picture uh, or like, you know, me being on a wheelchair every day, that's the day chair. Mm. Uh, yeah, they call it a day chair because it's like an everyday chair. And then for the professional races, you have a specialized racing chair, which is longer and three wheel. So two at the back, one in front, almost like a, it looks almost like a bicycle, but it's actually powered fully by your arms. And so... I joined my first non-professional race, which is the day chair one, also in 2012. And uh, they were asking me to join because they heard about me. I think they saw me, a friend recommended. And they were trying to do uh, Malaysia's book of records for biggest, you know, largest wheelchair participants. So they were almost at about 200 wheelchair participants. You know, wow. A bunch of them are usual wheelchair users but a group of them were wheelchair athletes and so i joined in thinking hey i am pretty fit i i was training for the 10km anyways um and so this was about maybe i think 3km so it wasn't very far 3 to 5km i think i can't remember it was many years ago um, <laughs> but i, I joined ago. in yeah i joined in with some hopes of winning because it was 2000 ringgit cash price for first Ooh. place, right? So I thought, okay, I, I push 
to the LRT every day, go anywhere I wanted to. So I should be quite fit. So I went there, it was in Trenganu. Yeah, Trenganu. And then uh, it was the first time that I was in the community because I never really had any OKU friends when I was younger. I went to a regular uh, mainstream school, Sekolah uh, Kebangsaan, and then I went to secondary school, normal school again. And so I don't know anyone, even in college, uh, who who is on a wheelchair. And it was my first time seeing so many wheelchairs. There was about 200 wheelchairs. And, <laughs> yeah. And I told you, like I said, uh, I wanted to you know, go in thinking I could have some chance of winning 2,000. Yeah. Right? Uh, on the first night, that hope was crushed because uh, somebody came over, my friend who asked me to join, and then he said, hey, Daniel, come over. Let me introduce you to this group of people. And then I saw a bunch of athletes. So everyone's like, a, you know, very short. Oh, my up. God. Yeah. I will, and if we look at my picture back in 2012, I was very small, you know, compared to now. And so, uh, and they said, hey, meet Sunny. He's Malaysia's number one wheelchair marathoner. And then I was like, oh, okay. Everyone oh else around him just nods and everything. And I was like, oh, man, I don't think I could win. Um, but I went back to my hotel room that night. I was thinking... Hey, I was going there to win, um, but you know now I don't think I can win anymore. Let's not hope. <laughs> I I think <laughs> I, I gave up too early like, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I, I came. I went back to why I I did wheelchair uh, racing in the first place and wanting to do marathons. And I thought to myself, I really wanted to number one challenge myself. Number two to inspire other people. And I thought to myself, how can I be an inspiration here? Because it's quite easy for me to be an inspiration uh, when I'm the only one in a wheelchair in the room, right? Yeah. So, I and it's just a, a reality. Even when I don't want to, I'll just do normal things like going to the LRT and people come up to me, wow, you're so brave, you're so capable. Um, uh, some people don't like that. I personally don't really care about it. Um, but... I thought to myself, how can I then be an inspiration when there are almost 200 other people on a wheelchair and a lot of them are in worse off conditions. So I told myself I wanted to, to um, be an inspiration and I want to share a message in a sense. And back in the day, uh, I, I wear uh, something motivational at the back of my jersey. So... At that point in time, I was wearing something that is inspired by my friend Alex Aoyong, the guy who, who did the ultra marathon, right? Uh, yeah. So he always wears something uh, at his back. And I really liked it uh, because of my personal faith uh, as a Christian and not, not because of uh, uh, imposing on any other people, but because of my personal faith, he wears something called uh, Powered by Jesus, right? Okay. And then... Philippians 4.13, the Bible verse, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah. me. And so I always really liked that. And I told him, hey, Alex, can I get a jersey with that uh, exact same quote as well? So I started wearing it in my runs. And I always, in a sense, wanted to, to share my personal source of inspiration and strength, uh, which I believe comes from God. And so... Uh, I you would always wear that in a race or in a marathon. So I told myself, since I can't win, right? <laughs> I was thinking in my mind, oh, I can't win. So uh, how can I inspire, well inspire other people, right? Yeah. So I told myself, okay, 
uh, this is how I want to inspire. Uh, and I told myself, I want to show great sportsmanship. I want to be kind to people, make friends. And I want to show that message to as many people as possible. Right? So it's at the back of my shirt. And let me ask you this. Uh, ask you this. And yeah, if sure. you have a message at the back of your, your jersey, right? And you want as many people as possible to see it in a race. Mm-hmm. Where should you start in the lineup, right? Should you start in the front of the line, the back of the line, or the middle of the line? What do you think? Oh, wow. If I want to... Okay, so the first thing first, the first thing first, if you are talking about this, like where, which start lines should I be at with this word? I, I think... I think it would be at the back. Why? Okay, so the first thing first, so when everyone, okay, I know it's 3KM, I know it's 3KM. So when mm-hmm. you start from the back, right, you can slowly catching up, you okay. can slowly catch up, okay, then every every wheelchair person that you overtake, they will definitely, def- they will definitely saw the message. So it's mm-hmm. part of the, powered by Jesus. Anything mm-hmm. you can do, you can do anything through him. So actually giving hope that, hey, I may be the last. So, but because because I saw your words, I can keep going forward. I'm not alone. I still can go forward. Mm-hmm. No matter how slow I am, as long as I reach to the point, that's, that means that that's, that's proof that it is possible for me to go. Okay. That's my and thought. is there any reason why you wouldn't start, say, in the front, for example? I think I think that when you start the front, I I'm not sure this. This is my opinion. So when you start yeah. the front, right? I think that that's the point where you, that's the point where you really get competitive. Okay. You, yeah, I think I think that mm-hmm. when and when you start the front, you you definitely will speed off. So when you speed off, right? Uh, people at the back won't be able to saw your message. Okay. Very interesting yeah. because I think you're one of the very few people who who guess right. You know, I started at the back. Uh, oh, my, God. My, re- my reasoning is slightly different why I, I mm. didn't start in the front. Um, but of course, there's no wrong answer. I think it's very interesting yeah. for me to hear your perspective as well. Uh, because I never really thought about the perspective of, okay, if I'm in the back, then you know, people will see that even though I'm, in a sense, losing, I would still uh, strive. And then if I'm in the front, then I'm competitive. And that, I didn't really think about it that way. Uh, I thought about it in a very practical way. Um, but it's very interesting to be able to hear that. But from my practical point of view, I thought to myself, if I'm in front and there's like 200 wheelchairs, you know, in that slot, uh, only like what, 10, 20 people can, around yeah. me can see it because people at the far back can't see it. Um, yeah. And I actually have a picture that I took in, I think I posted on my Instagram eight years ago of you know, what it looked like at the back of the crowd. And I took a picture and I can't even see the front. Um, and I thought to myself, the best way for me to be able to share that message to as many people as I can is to start last and to pass as many people as I can. So the more people mm-hmm. I pass, the more people can see that message. And that was the, the motivation for me to be able to inspire that way. And uh, like I said, it was a 3KM race. It was very short. So... If you start last, you, there's always an advantage to start in front, right? Because 3KM is such a short race. If you go first, you're not blocked by anyone. You can go all out. So, yeah. But at that point in time, I wasn't thinking about winning anymore. Nothing wrong with about 
thinking about winning. Because now, when I join races, I go in to win. But at the same time, uh, I, I believe we can see inspire. But at that point of time, because I, in a sense, lost hope so early, right? Uh, I, I told myself, let's inspire as many people as I can. And let's see how that goes. So my strategy is very simple. My strategy for the next day was look for a person to chase. Chase the person, pass the person, look for another one. So a very simple strategy, look for one person to chase and chase the person that will pass them and repeat. And so I, for context of how many people there are, um, for me to get to from where I was at the back of the line to the mm -hmm. starting line, right? To start, it took me one minute. So I timed myself. So meaning the first person who left from the, the starting line has uh, had a 60 seconds you know, lead Different. on me. Yeah, because it took me one minute to even reach the front, uh, front of the line. And so, but I was just chasing and chasing, you know, like a dog chasing a, a bicycle or a motorcycle. Yeah. I'm just not thinking. Uh, so I was, okay, one person passed, another person passed, okay, passed, okay. Another person looked for another one. Then after a while, I was thinking, okay, pass, pass, pass. So, okay, two more in front of me. I wasn't even thinking clearly that time. And then I didn't realize that two more people in front of me means that at that point of time was third place. And Ooh. we were at we were at the U-turn. So it's like, imagine 3KM, so it's about 1.5KM and then U-turn back to the, the same spot. And so, but near the U-turn, okay, two more people in front of me, I chased, okay, one more person. Then the second person shouted to the first person in the front, you know, saying somebody's passing him. Then at the U-turn, I overtook somebody and then suddenly there was nobody else to chase. Then I started panicking because like, what do I do now? Do I go faster? Do I go slower? <laughs> do I, if I go fast, will I get cramps suddenly? You know, kind of thing. Then uh, at the end of it, I won the race with, you know, in first place, in, in first place with, you know, a lead of 45 seconds. So the second place came in like 45 seconds later. And you, and, 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 and I think that the best thing about this is you get to inspire people. Mm. Okay. And you get the reward and you get the price. Yeah. So 2000 ringgit was pretty good. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, it was in that sense, the point in time, the start for me, uh, the start of thinking that, you know, oh, I, I was just joining marathons non-competitively, but I won my first race in a wheelchair race. And so I started thinking about the possibilities of Paralympics at that point in time. And so, uh, I mean, I mean that after after that after that wheelchair rest, after you winning, yeah. then you have the thoughts like Paralympics. Yeah, I think that was when I really started thinking about competing, because even after college, when I was joining uh, wheelchair runs and trying to do go into marathons, um, it was just more for challenging myself and uh, inspiring people. But it was that point of time when I started thinking I may you know maybe I should consider competing. So I was looking around, uh, asking different people, hey, do you know anyone who does wheelchair racing in Malaysia? I even knew, uh, I knew some uh, officers from the uh, sports council and whatnot. And I was asking them, hey, do you know anyone doing racing? And the answer is all the same. Everyone tells me, no one is really doing racing in Malaysia. You should just uh, you know, choose another sport. And so... Because of that, you know, I was trying and trying and trying. I just couldn't find anyone. Uh, no mentors, no coach, nobody wanting to do it. 
And so one day my, my friend called me and said, hey, you want to try sitting volleyball? And so I was like... Sitting what? I wasn't I'm sorry? sitting volleyball. Volleyball. Oh, okay. Okay. So we play volleyball, but uh, sitting volleyball is more played not on a wheelchair, but on the floor. So you, you move on the floor and then you play. So the same hands that you move with are the same hands that you play with. So the idea of it sounded a bit crazy for me because brittle bones and flying balls is, is you know something that I'm not very sure of. But I, you know, she said, give it a try. And I went for like a workshop and taster session. And suddenly I realized, hey, actually, I don't think it's that hard. Uh, the, the volleyball's impact, you know, volleyballs are softer. So it's not like football or basketball. Yeah. And you're on one side uh, you know, and your opponent is on the other side. So you don't clash like basketball. So I, I thought, okay, maybe I should give it a try. And that was uh, maybe the end of 2012. So everything started in 2012. Um, um, I mean, like 2012, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are going to say that 2012 is going to be the end of the year. Okay, yeah. it's going to be like a, it's going to wear that Armageddon is going to come. But as I can see, and as I listen to you, right, 20,000, I mean, 2012 is definitely a good year for you, man. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good start. And so... Uh, that was when I started joining, and then uh, soon after I started playing for Selangor, uh, and then I started playing for. And in two thousand thirteen, I played. I represented Malaysia in the Asian Youth Para Games uh, for sitting volleyball. Oh my god! Yeah, and so I I wanted to do racing, but then I went into sitting volleyball. Uh, but uh, soon after that. After the games in 2013, I, I spent some time off doing... I was still going to ask around and see uh, if there's any opportunities to do racing, but I still receive the same answer. Nobody's really doing it. If you want to do it, you can, but there's no coaches in Malaysia doing racing. There's no funding, no program. So you have to do it purely on your own. And so at that point in time, I, I've already done a lot uh, by that point in time, I, I was, I've already done you know, all my, my wheelchair marathon. So I've actually done uh, uh, the, the distances I wanted. I've joined uh, the Asian para games, youth para games in sitting volleyball. At that point in time, I've also done the 100km already. So cool. I wasn't really thinking, I'll tell you about the 100km later. But um, so essentially, I was thinking, okay, there's not much to achieve in terms of sports for me, in terms of satisfaction. Um, but what I really wanted to do was to continue to inspire people but be more involved in making leaders. So at that point in time, I started uh, working in a new place. Uh, I started working in a place called Leaderonomics, which uh, is where I was able to um, nurture young leaders. So I was working in an area where I can uh, nurture school students and we, we did a lot of leadership camps and started focusing on my career and focusing on nurturing leaders. So I took a break from sports for a few years up until um, 2016. At the end of 2016, going to 2017. So about three years ago, that was when I started thinking about doing uh, sports again and specifically wheelchair racing and chasing after it no matter what. So... 
yeah, and that's when I started. I, I resigned from my job that point in time. Uh, wow, having, man, it's like that's a yeah, big move, man. Well, having some plans of how to survive, but not having the full plan, uh, I don't think it's something that I recommend to everyone. It's not you know to go from having a stable job to freelancing, and it's not a choice that everyone wants to make. And so, yeah. but it was a choice I wanted to make, and so I resigned from my job about three years ago to pursue racing no matter what. And it's, it has been tough because in the past three years, at some point of time, I would think that maybe I'm not achieving uh, something as fast as I can. I'm not progressing as fast as I want to. Uh, but it's all a process, a journey. And if you keep persevering and having the right strategies and the plan and the right resources, uh, I believe you can achieve almost anything. And so right now, after three years, I'm still pursuing the Paralympics. Uh, it's been delayed from this year to next year. So I have a little bit more time. Uh, still, no, there's no guarantee that uh, we'll be able to represent Malaysia in the racing sport, wheelchair racing sport in next year's Tokyo Paralympics. Because literally right now, as far as I know, I'm the only person pursuing this sport seriously in Malaysia. So no one else is doing racing because there's just no coach in Malaysia, no program, no team, no budget. So everything has to be done on your own. I mean, I mean that. Then how how do you how will you manage like to go to the to the Tokyo Paralympics next year? I mean that since it mentions that there is no funding, there is no coaches, so all the things that you have to do by yourself. So do you feel like do you feel that? Like you are alone in this thing. I mean, in in pursuing this wheelchair racing, many times I, I do feel alone. I think, uh, especially when my sport is a solo sport, right? I I train alone. I do a lot of things alone. I freelance, so I don't have colleagues. Um, so and when I'm pursuing this, then a lot of the you know I don't get the kind of support that you want from. Uh, say the government or the sports council so funding everything is done by myself and i really I, I did crowdfunding and different things um so yeah there are many times i felt alone during the sport but at the same time i've had you know, i've received so many support from different people uh, around me that um that makes me more motivated because number one i'm doing it for myself for sure at the same time i, I want to also make the people around me proud and so um, it's not easy, but you, know, you have to find different ways. And so some of the, the things that I did was uh, I, I couldn't, there's no coaches in Malaysia. So what, what can I do? Uh, I literally started asking people. So I, I know some people overseas. So I'll ask around, hey, do you know any racer and all those? I got a contact from a legendary racer. You know, like his name is Ernst Van Dyke from South Africa. He's the record holder for the most Boston Marathon wheelchair you know, winner. So the recently like, won, right? He, I think he hasn't won the past couple of years. Uh, he's much older now. He's 40 plus. Um, but he won the Boston Marathon 10 times. So I, I tried contacting him from a contact from a friend. Um, no luck there. He said he, he couldn't uh, doesn't have the capacity to train someone. Um, and then I asked another person from Australia and see whether they know this one. They introduced me, but again, nothing happened. 
So one day I was looking through Instagram. I saw this guy from Ireland. I, I was following the same page as him and then they featured him a bit. So I literally sent him a DM and said, hey, I'm from Malaysia. This is my situation. Uh, there's no coaches. Do you, would you even consider doing some form of coaching with me online? So he said, he said yes. Oh, wow. Uh, he, his name is Killian. Killian Dunn. And he is currently the record holder for the 100, 200, 400, 800 meters uh, wheelchair racing T54 my category in Ireland. So he's the record holder for Ireland in that few categories. And so uh, I was actually planning a trip. I was doing crowdfunding, raising funds to go to Ireland when the whole MCO thing happened. And so we had to cancel it. Um, so unfortunately, we, we have to postpone it indefinitely. I don't think we can do our training this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how it goes for next year when the Paralympics is also happening, whether I have time to train there. So the fundings that I've raised so far, I didn't, at that point in time, I haven't raised a full amount. And then the whole thing started getting worse in terms of the pandemic. So MCO was going to happen. He also contacted me uh, that in Ireland, everything will be canceled for the rest of the year. Um, and so right now I'm using that funding to purchase an equipment from Canada and a few other things so that I can train at home. But because of the whole uh, pandemic as well, everything is a bit slower, but hopefully I can get an indoor roller, like a training roller uh, soon so that I can, you know, it's almost like a a roller for bicycles. You've Uh seen them training at home. It's the same type for a similar concept for the racing chair but much more expensive. So you're looking at about uh, five to 6,000 ringgit. Wow. Including delivery to, to come over here. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah, just, just, just listen, just listen to like how you're pursuing, like, uh, like you know, like even though you are alone and able to DM people, finding people to coach you through online. I mean, that, I mean, I definitely like if, I, I believe that if there's a way, right, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I always joke. If there's a wheel, there's a way. I have, I have four wheels. So, no, <laughs> just kidding. Wheels and wheel. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it could be because I mean, you have four wheels, <laughs> so you have much more, like you know, much more way. You know, yeah. like that's, well, that's the thing. I just like to make lame jokes sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah. it's a good job. It's a good job. It's a good yeah. job. I mean, it's it's a good job. So I mean, yeah. after 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 all this while, right? Because I, I scroll through, I scroll through your Facebook. I saw you are, you are, you you have you give you you given a talk in TEDx and mm-hmm. a lot of speeches and everything. So what what was the what was the, I mean what was the point where you when you become an advocate for like you know push to inspire like everything is possible. Well, um, I don't know if I call myself ad. But in a sense, uh, I, I believe that I want to use my life story to be able to inspire people. Um, the whole idea of push to inspire came later on. But um, for me to go into inspirational speaking or motivational speaking or speaking in general, started, I think, college. Because when I went to college, I was very shy, very reserved. And so um, never really thought I could speak in, in public. But I think as I grew... My, my, because I was nurtured in college, you know, my first leadership role ever was in college. And mm-hmm. it was through 
the Ta, I was studying in Ta, Tindor de Raman. Uh, that time was Ta College, now it's Ta UC. Uh, but it was through the, the Ta College um, Christian Fellowship. Then I went there, um, was nurtured because I never really believed in myself until someone believed me in me enough to nurture me and say I have potential as a leader. And I realized over time, whenever I spoke, people listened. And because of that, I thought to myself, hey, uh, maybe I should use my life as a way to, to encourage another person. Uh, and that was when I started speaking in, in starting in, in Christian fellowships and in schools and in uh, clubs and then moving on to uh, events and later on corporate companies. Um, so you, it, it actually progressed not so much that I was thinking of, hey, I want to be a speaker. More so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I want to use my life as a way to inspire someone because I think everyone has a story to tell. And, yes, true. You know, everyone has a different story to tell. And no matter what that story is, uh, you, you'll be bound to, to encourage a person who can relate to that experience. And so, um, but Push to Inspire came later on, only when I was thinking of, uh, I was trying to create a, a website because I want to write and, want to use that as a platform to, to be able to reach out to more people and for people to reach out to me uh, for engagements. And so I was thinking of a domain name and I don't know if you you probably have tried trying to get a domain name, right? So not yeah. that easy because all the ri ridiculous names that you think nobody would take it, you know, would take it's it's taken. taken. Yeah, people buy domain names and sell it. Um, so so I, I thought of all the different names that you know you think nobody would take but all was taken so all the, the kind of ridiculous names even is taken until one day when i was really not trying so hard i was thinking hey actually you know what uh i i pushed my wheelchair to inspire so okay i pushed to inspire sounds you know sounds good and and so i type it in so suddenly dot com dot net dot org everything was available Okay, so, okay. Push to inspire.com.net.org, everything. And so I said, hey, wow, perfect. So it started off with the idea that, hey, I literally push to inspire people. Um, but later on, I, I wanted it to be more than myself. So push to inspire very soon after when I start thinking about it, uh, became, comes from a belief that everyone can push beyond their perceived limitations and challenges to fulfill our God-given potential. Mm -hmm. And when we fulfill our potential in life, we inspire others to do the same, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think if you, you are doing what you're doing because you uh, have seen the potential uh, that is in you and in other people, right? And yes. so, and it's just very human nature that when we see someone um, fulfill their potential, when we see someone do well, there's something in us generally that that wants to to improve ourselves as well because we want to live up to our potential. Yes. Of course, there true. are some people who who resort to being jealous and whatnot, but I think generally people want to be better. And so, when they see someone uh, fulfilling their potential, be it whatever that is, and that potential doesn't have to to always look the same. I think I must stress that is a. Uh, that potential doesn't mean that everyone should be a millionaire or billionaire. It's not doesn't mean that everyone becomes an entrepreneur or everyone becomes an elite athlete. But more so, 
um, would what is that potential that you think you have in life? And as you discover it, you push your limits and you, you go higher and higher and you fulfill uh, that potential that, that, that makes you the best you and makes you happy. And so for someone, it could be you know, being a, a good husband and father. Yes. That is your, your ultimate goal and that potential. I mean, you live mm-hmm. up to that, you, you're happy and you're contented and that's fine. Uh, for me, I, I, my potential, I believe, is for me to be able to use my life to, to impact people. And it, it's that belief that when everyone lives up to that potential and then they inspire people around and do the same, that's how I believe one person can change the world, right? Nice. Because True. I'm just one person, you know, even if I'm very good, like, you know, Nick Vujicic or Tony Robbins or anyone you can think of, if I were to go around speaking to millions of people, I only reach millions of people, right? But if I live up to my potential, I, I inspire, say, 10 others to do the same, 10 others live up to their potential, do the same, then, you know, I'll, I'll reach far more than, than anyone else. Yeah, so it's not definitely. so much um, not so much wanting to to get the number, but more so I believe this is how we as individuals can change the world. Wow, wow! I mean that that idea of like push to inspire is really really awesome. Like wow, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's and, I think that it's well, you mentioned it's uh, it's not about like uh, impact more, but it's more like uh, it's more like uh, like you know it's fulfilling your own potential yes. and naturally people will be inspired to do the same yes true true and true. not everyone's uh purpose in life or even goals uh goal is to inspire other people you know for me it is because i find satisfaction in uh nurturing people i find uh, satisfaction in inspiring people encouraging people but it doesn't have to be the same for anyone else you've seen uh entrepreneurs so i, I personally like to watch uh shark tank a lot Right. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I think a lot of times people, you know, even for some of the entrepreneurs, they just want to reach whatever goals that they want, which is provide for the family and whatnot. And but it inspires other people to do to to try something new. So, and then later on, if you decide that your your goal in life would want change. to change from from uh, hey, I want to to provide for my family to inspiring younger people, then so be it. Right. So yeah, there's no. I don't think that is something that uh, there should be pressure on people because everyone is at a different stage. But I do believe, like, um, because I, I study psychology, right? And um, over time, I, I think people want to find meaning that is uh, beyond <clears throat> themselves. So after a while, when you have all your needs and everything is provided for you, you tend to want to find yeah. Uh, something that is more than that, you know, in a sense, a, a calling. And, and so if you are able to find something that is bigger than yourself, generally um, you'll be able to find a bigger why and motivation and purpose yeah. to, to do what you do. So, but I, I think everyone is at a different stage and it doesn't have to be the same for everyone. Yeah. Wow. Wow, man. It, it definitely a good, 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 good sharing of like uh, the theory and the story behind push to inspire. I mean that, wow, mind blown, really mind blown. And, 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 Thank you. and, and I think that this is the questions that I, I think the next question I want to ask you is that, um, 
if you have any chance, I mean, if you have any chance to change everything, okay, to go back time and change everything, mm-hmm. would you do that? No. <laughs> Why? So, <laughs> I think it's funny because I've, I've had this question before uh, a number of times and I, I realized so far my answer has always been the same. No, because... Um, I think everything that I've gone through made me who I am today. And so um, if I were to change something, then I might not be who I am today. And in general, since I was young, I never want to live in regret. So of course, are there things that I regret? Yeah, but I don't want to live in regret. So you can only choose to be better from that experience. Because of that, I so far I've, and somebody has asked me before if you're given a, a remote control where you can just reset everything or rewind everything, would you do that? I, I've always answered no because I think I don't want to live in regret. I don't think people should live in regret. You should uh, reflect on some of the mistakes you've done, but that should be only a rear view mirror, right? So when you're driving, yep. you don't look at the rear view mirror all the time, right? You look back only just to to make sure that you know everything is clear everything is safe so you can move forward uh safely and so i live my life based on that principle of not wanting to to dwell in past regrets i look back only uh to help me move forward oh wow man i i really love the part where you're talking about the rear mirror right oh man that is like wow Wow, you, I mean, you don't have to look, you, you don't always look at the rear mirror, but instead you yeah. focus at the front mirror to make sure everything's clear, then you can go, oh man, this is like a new quote. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I really love that. I really love that. I really yeah, love I, that. I just have a lot of time to think when I was young. I don't get to go out and play, so I think a lot. You know? I think I wrote a blog post about this, uh, about rear view mirrors like many years back, back in maybe 2014 or 13. Back in the day when I still have a blog, it's no longer wow. there. <laughs> oh man! Thank you for sharing that. That thank you for sharing. Thank yeah, you for sharing no that quote with me, man. My I'm pleasure. Man. Yeah. It will inspire a lot of people. Definitely, definitely. Thanks. Okay. Now, last question. Last question yeah. before we end this conversation. I mean, okay. Last questions. What are the advice? What are the advice that you want to give to the people out there? and the audience about life or like to, to pursue your goal? Um, what advice? I think, and, and this is very personal to me, I guess. Um, and so I, I think it may or may not relate to other people. I, I personally think that um, we all need to find a purpose in life. And, and when I say purpose in life, it doesn't, mean that you have to to find something grand nor does it mean that it has to look like different you know, look, look the same as everybody else um, but you have to find something to, to strive for um, a good friend and mentor of mine once told me um, you need to have a strong why the stronger your why is the likelier you'll succeed and one of my favorite quotes ever is by a guy named Friedrich Nietzsche who says 
he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. So he who has a why to live can bear almost anyhow. When you have uh, a good reason to do something, you know, you can bear almost any house, anything that comes in your way. If you have a good reason to, to succeed, then no matter what challenges may come, you will find a way to do it. That's why, you know, if you have a why to live for, you can bear almost anyhow. And so for me, I think um, it's important for everyone to be able to find that why. Whatever that why is, it doesn't have to, to be philosophical. You know, it doesn't have to be, okay, I want to change the world. It can be, I want to be happy. You know, but what does that mean? You know, what does it look like? What is happy to you? Uh, I want to, to strive for my loved one. Whatever that goal is, uh, you need to find a strong reason. And like my friend said, the stronger your, your why is, the likelier you succeed. So find that uh, reason. And it can start small. It can start as like a hobby. It can start as something that you like to do. You do it because you like to do it. And then you find a deeper meaning to, to doing it. Sure. Yeah. But you need to find a why. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you, you heard from the man himself. Find your why. The stronger your why the more that the more chances you'll be able to succeed and the more and this and of course that the more changes that you come you will know how to overcome it i i mean i mean that thank you daniel thank you daniel thank you so much for spending your time with me and to well, share thanks for your having life. me man yeah, yeah. I, I really i really i really hope after this mco lifted right i can like i can go i can personally fly to like to to kuala lumpur and find you like Maybe like Anytime. doing some, you know, do, doing some video, a short, a short documentary about you and to promote you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like this. I, it will inspire more people. Man, I love this. Thanks, I really love this. Thanks, man. I hope to see you one day. So when you fly over to, to KL and whatnot, let me know. Yeah. And then definitely. We can, okay. we, can, we can definitely go mama. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. After everything is safe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Don't so ladies and gentlemen, now. Yeah. So, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of this conversations. Uh, so please do subscribe, uh, discovering myth, and follow, uh, and follow discovering myth, so that you can get more updates on the next guest and to get more stories from different people. And you can follow Daniel at Facebook, Daniel Lee, okay, or Instagram, Push to Inspire. Okay. I see you guys next time. Bye, Daniel. Yeah, man. Take care.